Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Right, um, I too have some helpers, uh, so if you can be uh, standing up and doing your business. Uh, so, uh, limb time, it's quite weird time for, I think about food often, right? I think that's a fair, fair comment. And we've only just really started being regularly coming to the evening. So five o'clock's weird, isn't it? Like, when do you have tea? Like, and so, uh, food is coming. And so, uh, food... Don't eat it yet, though, because like, you'll all start rustling and I'll have problems. Uh, so food is coming round because later in this, I'm going to be putting pictures of food up and that will be problematic. And so uh, at that stage, when the pictures of food are up, that's your moment. All right, I'll let you know. Don't you worry about that. So uh, food is here. We are going to be talking about and sharing uh, food. Uh, what no one told me is there was a mega dedication today, so no one told me to up my numbers ready for the dedication, so if there isn't enough, then what will happen is you get leftover communion bread, right? I think that's, uh, that's, that's what we're, we'll just send them back round again, it'll be, um, it'll be slightly unusual. Um, there should be a carrier bag with some left in somewhere, there was another one, but who knows, Phoebe's got a whole bag full um, Oh, yeah. If anybody didn't like Oreos but likes an orange twirl or a whisper gold, come on, there we go. That's right. Don't be shy. You've got some hands, feet. Phoebe will come round. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, an orange twirl is a spectacular chocolate bar. Thank you very much. Yeah, keep, Phoebe's taking orders now. All right, Phoebe. And so um, it feels like an odd start, but I could have done this in the middle of the preach, and it would have been weirder. Uh, definitely would have been weirder, right? So um, let me know when we're, when we're done. We're still going? Still going, right. Okay. Okay, good. Good stuff. All done. Oh, yeah, Lucas will take some. Oh, yeah. Right. None of the rustling. I hear some rustling. You're going to have to keep it steady. Um, oh, I see you all. If you think I'm not a youth pastor who knows how to quickly get to 10 on the anger scale to shut people up, uh, poor old Josh Morris, who I love very much, once took the insult, Josh, I will rain down on you like thunder. Doesn't make any sense, but it does sound scary, and uh, it did shut them up. So, uh, so we'll have no thunder here, uh, so uh, we'll have well-behaved people. We're still going. What happened? Half the people have given up. That you've, we're doing swaps, like some kind of World Cup sticker album going on here. What the heck? Let me know when you're ready. This doesn't, this doesn't count for the 30 minutes, let me tell you. Right. Um, okay, so I w- it definitely doesn't count because it's the church leaders causing me the problem. Thank you very much, Libs. Right. We are in week three of Elijah, believe it or not. Um, and we're going to see that Elijah... He's having a tough time. We're going to do a little bit of a recap in a second. But we know what it is to have a tough time, and that's normally when we're in a tough place. I used to work at a theme park. Uh, It looks scary, right? It looks like a not fun place. A theme park in the place of Grimsby, if you stick on that one for a second, Lindsay. It's shut now because it's a theme park in Grimsby, of course it is. Uh, And so do you know where the rides from a theme park from Grimsby get taken? 
Oh, where's worse than Grimsby? Center of Iraq, uh, Baghdad, that's where it goes. Uh, so yeah, most of the rent, there was in the local paper last week, where are all the rides? Loads of them in Baghdad, one of them in Warrington. So uh, there we're just saying, those are the facts Gulliver's World has taken them. Um, but I used to sometimes have to do the razzle-dazzle, uh, and uh, too many times in my life, I've been cleaning vomit out of footwells, uh, particularly on the last ride of the day, when you were just like, please, please, just be good, be all good, be all good, I want to go home, and then you see one guy, and you're like, no, don't you, this is your moment to shine, sir, this is your moment to be brave. No, no, no bravery there, really wedged in the footwell there. So I had the razzle-dazzle, but that wasn't as bad as the Tinkaboo water ride, the Tinkaboo factory, where my job would be to stand at the back of that ride when kids, it was a really boring ride, so teenagers would go on it and just think what we're going to do is get out halfway through and we're just going to hide all the way around there. So there'd be me with a mop just trying to shoo out teenagers, which is already annoying for eight and a half hours until you have this three-minute song on loop. Have we got it? Yeah, that'll do. That is, uh, that is problematic. That is wedged in there now. Uh, I don't know many of your birthdays. I will never forget that song as long as I live. And so there were times in that theme part where I'd be like, a bit like Elijah, as we're going to see, I'll say, do you know what, Lord? I've had a good run. I am 17. Take me now. Just, I'm done. I'm done. I can't, it's going to loop round again. I'm going to be singing Sugar's Sweet and Toffee's a Treat again. I'm coming. And so I was done. And so we know what it is when we're in a really tough time to think, God, I am done. But it doesn't always come when you expect it to come. It doesn't come just when the job is rubbish and life is hard. I also spoke at... Um, uh, an accounting conference a few years back. Now, I actually have a job I really enjoy now. Uh, every now and then I have to speak at these conferences. And I had to speak with actual grown-ups about actual grown-up things. And I didn't sleep for about three days before because I was like, man, they're going to think you're a fraud. And I was there and I did it. And I had some friends in the audience. They came up afterwards and said, oh, it was good, well done, and blah, blah, blah. And it was all good. And it went really well. And I got on the train home. And I remember thinking... Right, I've been, I've been re preparing for this for weeks. I've not slept for ages, really worrying about this. It went really well, and now what? And just a come down at the end of that, and I was like, who do I tell? Because nobody's going to care. It's not like I can say to a mate, hey, mate, I spoke at an accounting conference. And he'll be like, yeah, good one, thanks. Isn't that just what you do? And I just was sat on a train going, where do I go? And I just felt bizarrely alone. And just for no real reason, I'd had friends there that literally the minutes before. And I just felt like nobody cared. There was no point. What was I doing? And so often, kind of these low times just come out of nowhere when life is good, when things have happened that are good. And that is what we'll see with Elijah. And so Elijah, in the story so far, in Lim, it's been a bit weird. You flipped it around for whatever reason. We decided to not go chronologically. Who needs time? Uh, so... Uh, so um, in the first bit of Elijah, he was, uh, the story we see is he was with a widow, and he does this crazy miracle where it, this widow gets fed and things don't run dry. So we've seen God come through in this incredible way. The second thing that we've seen 
He has this big, which is what this kind of image is about. He has this big showdown uh, on Mount Carmel. He calls down fire from heaven. It's this spectacular, incredible thing. And you think, man, Elijah's the man, right? Elijah is just like amazing, and we can't relate to him, obviously, because we think, man, I can't see any of that. Uh, but as Lucas said, Elijah was a man just like us. But what we can relate to is probably this next bit. He goes through these kind of crazy successful things, and we jump him in 1 Kings 19, literally straight after this story, we jump him. And so uh, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a read, so, you know, it's, just be ready. And so 1 Kings 19, straight after this massive, miraculous victory on this mountain. And it says, now Ahab, who was an evil king at the time, told Jezebel, uh, his wife, so the queen, everything that Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword, all of these prophets that were worshipping uh, the false god Baal. And so uh, she, he told her all about this, and Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meheloah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I will reserve 7,000 at Israel, all those whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Right, so that is our mega passage. Elijah is having the mother of bad days. He's gone from this massive high, and now he's thinking, just I'm done. Somebody is still out to kill me. And I remember when a few of us went to Soul Survivor back in the day before Limitless, and Mike Pilavacci used to always say that he would do these four weeks of summer camps, and it would be incredible. He'd see people get healed. He'd see young people really kind of have things, chains broken, and become free from things, and be excited, and worshiping Jesus. 
and he'd come home and he'd be like, I'm done. He'd go from this crazy high to feeling like no one cares and I don't know why. And he realized what he needed to do was surround himself with good people and good times. And we're going to see that so much of that is what Elijah gets given uh, by God here. And so we'll see in a few verses, verse 3, as we look at Elijah being exhausted, he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. Like Nick McDavid on honeymoon when uh, he had food poisoning. That was the prayer he prayed. I don't know if Lisa was massively pleased with that. Uh, When he'd had some dodgy chicken, ate it, and it was all kinds of problems, you can imagine. And the genuine prayer of, Lord, take my life. It's not the dream honeymoon, is it, Lisa? (laughs) Like, oh, I've got a husband. I think he's good, but he's praying to die. It's not not as I was aiming for. So, um, yeah, Elijah's having his Nick McDavid moment. And so... We understand this feeling of, I've had enough. And what starts in truth, if we look at verse 10, he starts kind of saying what the problem is. And he says, look, I have been very zealous, and that's true. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, that's true. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. That is all true. And yet, what happens, like it happens with so many of us when we're having a tough time, it starts in truth. And it quickly spirals into things that aren't true. And so if we carry on, he said, I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And he's not the only one left. And he actually knows he's not the only one left. Because in chapter 18, uh, which is the chapter before, which was the chapter two weeks ago. It's very confusing, Lim. And so anyway, uh, so in chapter 18, there's a guy called Obadiah. And he says, look, I've hidden 100 prophets. They're hidden in caves. I'm keeping them alive. So Elijah knows he's not the only one left, but he feels like he is, right? We know what it is when things are tough. We know what it is to be like, man, this thing is difficult. And what happens is we stack it with loads of other things. You know, we can do that in our life. Maybe you kind of think, oh, I'm trying to share the gospel with my friends at work or at college or school or whatever. And I'm meaning to and I messed it up. And that's probably true. You miss an opportunity. And you start with, ah, I missed an opportunity. And then we go, I missed an opportunity because I'm not very good, because I'm a coward, because I'm worth. And before we know it, we spiral this into a place that's a really dangerous kind of place. And what will happen is the enemy will take something that's true and a real honest pain that we really can take to God, and he'll try and twist it and make you feel alone, and he'll make you feel defeated. You know, we can have that where, as a preacher, many of us will know this, where you come away and think, I missed that. I should have said that bit there. And that's definitely true. There's so many times where I come out and go, yep, I should have said that point and I didn't make that point. And that's true. That's not a down on yourself thing. Sometimes you just, you mean to do something and it gets away from you and you don't. But what happens is you go from that to then hearing a comment that somebody says and going, oh, they didn't like it, to then going, well, I'm done. I quit, Lord. What's the point? No one's even listening. And that within the space of an evening, You've gone through, I am alone, and I am done. And let me tell you, as a, as a man who's preached a bit, I've quit a lot. Like, I've quit, I've quit almost as much as I've tried to quit doing the finances at Life Church. And so, uh, so but I've quit that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it took a while. Like, we started church, but I got there. And uh, so 10 years, 10 years. And so the good thing that Elijah does is he starts pouring this out to God. And I understand we're in the Old Testament, and he's talking just to God. But the thing that I do when I'm feeling like Elijah's doing here is the last thing I do is take it to God. Because what I do is I spiral and I get down and I just think, I am not telling anybody that. I am going to shut the doors and I'm just going to 
probably kind of enjoy the pain a little bit. I'm just going to stay where I am because I don't want to invite God into it because maybe I'm a little bit annoyed at him. Maybe if I was Elijah, I'd be like, do you know what? I've done enough. I've done enough, God. And do you know what? What's my reward? Everyone's trying to kill me again. And he's really struggling, but he's really honest. And the Psalms are a really good, honest place to be with in that because that is David and others saying, do you know what? Things are tough. But they're not just moaning. They're saying, God, I feel this. I feel this pain. I feel it's difficult. And I don't want to stay here, but I want to tell you how I'm doing. And God is big enough to handle the things that we wrestle with because he knows we wrestle with them, right? Even if we try and hide them, even if we try to go, oh, man, I'm just going to deal with it myself. He knows that pain. And the safest place to, do, to take it is to say, God, this is how I feel. You know, and I think there's a, we almost feel that it's bad to vocalize, it's bad to make it real. And sometimes I just write things down, and it starts with me writing down, God, I feel this. Do you know what? By the end of that, in that process, God has done something where I've started to turn it around, and I've started to realize that somehow God still loves me. It doesn't fix the situation, but something in it is the healing process. But we have to make it real with our words or with our with our hands or something, because if we just sit with it and don't say it, that's where the enemy would like to keep us, where he says, right, just bottle it up and don't tell anyone. And so pain will come and discouragement will come. And Jesus tells us this in John chapter 16. He says, I've told you these things. He's talking to the disciples that, so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the important thing there is he says, I have overcome the world. He doesn't say, you know, it's on you. It's not up to you to fix this. He's saying that in me, you will have peace and I have overcome the world. And he's not just saying, well, that's it. Just you're in trouble. Tough. He's saying, look, I have overcome the world. And we want to fix these things sometimes ourselves and try and work our way out of it. But actually, that's not what we can do. And that's certainly what, not what Elijah can do. So we're going to see three things that, that Elijah needs, and we'll get into the food. Don't worry, we're getting there. All right. Uh, so Elijah, the first thing he needs is rest. It's amazing what a, what a nap and some food can do. I hate napping. I can't take a nap in the middle of the day. It ruins me. Uh, but it's amazing what some sleep and some food can do. You know, the, the basic thing that we needed as toddlers still needs it now. That is exactly what Elijah's doing here. An angel comes, puts him to sleep, gives him some food. Happy days. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty good. And so Elijah is kind of dumb. He's feeling like he's had enough. But God's heart is to redeem and restore, not just so that he can put Elijah back on the field and work hard. I believe that, uh, God sees Elijah and thinks, man, I care for this guy. You know, it says in the Psalms that, that God is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are poor in spirit. So he's close to us when we feel that pain. You know, not just so that he can patch us up and send us back out and do some work. He actually does it so that uh, we can be healed and we can be restored. And the work that we do, whether it's for church, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's w whatever you do, it matters. You know, like the way that we represent our the kingdom of God in our workplaces, that, that counts. The way that we live out our life, the way that we do youth, it counts. But it's not so important that everything rests on your shoulders. It's not all on you to take this yourself. Actually, whilst it matters, we are not just workers that just have to do it on our own strength. Jesus says, look, you are my followers and my disciples and my children. And he wants to be in us and with us rather than just sending us out to work really hard and then maybe come back to him 
uh, when we've messed it all up. He wants to be with us, and he says he goes with us wherever we are. And I know what it is to lump these things. I have an incredible youth team, and I know what it is to sit writing stuff thinking, man, I've just got to write another thing without asking a single person to do anything. I know what it is. We're doing Axe videos with the youth at the moment where it's a 90-second video each, and I've given them all an Axe video to do, or two or three, and they've all done incredible jobs. They've all knocked it out of the park. And if I'm not careful, what I'll do is I'll go, man, I've not organized this well, so I should need to sort this out now myself for the next thing. And then I'll feel like I'm exhausted and it's all on me. It's not all on us. You know, we need to be people who ask others, pull the people around us, and actually know what it is. Uh, to have that rest. And so Elijah, it says, uh, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And so if Elijah needs rest, then you need rest. But the danger, as soon as we think you need rest, is we think, yeah, but then this condemnation comes in, like we don't deserve rest somehow because there is a league table of rest. I think we can all accept that. If you're a healthcare worker, you're the most tired, right? That's, that's the ranking. Yeah, yeah, there's a few healthcare workers like, flipping right. I'm glad you put that. I would have come at you if you did. Number two, parents. So if you're a parent who's a healthcare worker, you're squared on that list. So obviously, uh, that's uh, well done you. Teachers. Uh, so yeah, fair enough. I mean, you do tell us a lot that you're tired, but fair enough. Uh, Fourth one, police. Uh, well, yeah, police. This was from another, I got this list from some website. I can't remember, probably not legit because they put truck drivers at five, although that is probably quite a tiring job. And so the danger is that you think, all oh, right, these people are the tired people. I can't possibly be tired because I don't tick those. And I reckon I would say I can only come somewhere down the list. Like, I am not worthy of rest. And if I say something, because what does happen in church, doesn't it? If you just say, I'm really tired. I've just had a bad week. You, we've all got those people, and let's be honest, we've probably all been those people. We go, oh, you're tired. Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my sleep. Let me tell you. If you don't think that happens, happily go to a parent and just say, oh, I feel really tired. I've not, let, not slept very well. You'll see the internal struggle where they try to love you, but they want to tell you. And so, uh, but we need to be brave enough to say, I need rest. I need to take a break. The world will not, will not stop turning if we take a break, if we take a rest. I think sometimes we think, oh man, I'm, I'm holding it all together. Well, we're not. <laughs> well, like, we are not that important. Like God is holding it all together and somehow he uses flawed people like me and you. And we get to play a part in that. But it's not all on our shoulders. Jesus said in Matthew 11, for those of us who feel this way, he says, all right, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And if Jesus tells us to rest, that seems like it should matter. You know, it feels like that's important. So, Elijah needed rest. We've made it. God gives him some food. You can open your food. You can go nuts, right? That is the time. I'm ready for the rustling, because there's no serious story here now. I'm just going to call out Lindsay Della. So, um, Lindsay Della, if we can have the next picture up, please, while the rustling goes on. Yeah, I know, I know you're embarrassed by it, but I've got a direct quote from you. That's right. That's an advent calendar. That's an advent calendar. It's an advent calendar that's uh, snuck away in Lindsay Della's office right now, isn't it? You're right. It does look like a bear's attacked it. That's exactly what it looks like, doesn't it? And so, um, I got a text from Lindsay Della saying... I've dug into my advent calendar. I don't care 
I'm a grown woman and I was given chocolate. There we go. That is, that is, uh, that is my mum gave her that advent calendar. So uh, my mum sent it in the post and Lindsay went for it. Because do you know what? Young people sometimes as adults, you make the rules. And so uh, do you know what I like doing? Buying myself Easter eggs and nailing them before Easter. That is not acceptable, but I do it every year. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so we know that there's a lot of joy uh, in food. And you see that in verse 6. And so... Um, you see there, it's in the Bible. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals. There you go. And a jar of water. He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. And so um, while you're all still eating, I just figured it was a time to just share in the glories of food. Many of you know, I, as Nick alluded to, I travel to America uh, because that is where Lindsay is from. And I not only am trying to visit all the states... Obviously, I'm ranking all estates because I'm an accountant. And of course, if you can't put them in some meaningful order, what are you doing? But I rank them in two ways. One, the joy the state gives me. And two, the best food in that state. That's the real, that's the real list. We have our top five foods in America to come. So in number five, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Well done them. They had a Cuban sandwich. That was very good. I did have a Philly cheesesteak, and it was bang average. So uh, we can do that in England. Lavender honeycomb ice cream in California. That was strong. That was strong. You'll see ice cream featuring quite a lot. America can do ice cream. Well done, you. Uh, chili from my last visit in Ohio. Ohio, bit of a rubbish state. But let me tell you, they take chili and they bang it on pasta and put it on a hot dog and put loads of cheese on it. Oh, it'll kill you quick. But what a way, eh? What a way. You'll go happy. You will go happy. So, um, yeah. And then Oreo caramel apple in Seattle, Washington. That is a toffee apple covered in white chocolate, car caramel, and Oreos. I mean, that is punchy and nan good, isn't it? That is real good. Like, that is strong. Uh, but it only gets beaten by the greatest food I've ever eaten. And I've eaten some food, let me tell you. Uh, that is a tub of ice cream um, where I've actually taken the Jameses to this place in Florida and made them eat this because it's the greatest food on earth. Vanilla ice cream with Oreos, with Heath, which is like a dime bar, some caramel, and some hot fudge. That takes me one sit in five minutes max, bosh, down it goes. And let me tell you, I close my eyes the whole way and smile. It is the happiest that you will see me. Um, I mean, obviously, Lindsay's there at the time, so that's fine. Okay, then, so uh, I don't eat it without her. That would be weird. Anyway, so if we go back to verse 6, unsurprisingly, Elijah doesn't get given ice cream. He gets given bread. Um, my cousin has a theory that all food is better with bread. All main meals are better with bread. And uh, that is what, when me and Lindsay Della met, we basically, that was our first night. We stayed up chatting all night talking about the bread theory, her trying to find food that wouldn't be improved by bread. And she did not. And so because she fell in love with me on that day, not just because of my looks, but because of my bread theory, at our wedding, we have a little piece of bread with everything is better with bread, quoting that man. So that is our, our relationship was very much built on food. So uh, yeah, Elijah gets given some lovely bread. Right, um, we're going into a sort of serious point now we're in. And so... I was thinking about this and food, and we know that we like food and so on, and life can be tiring and life can be stressful. And I told Lindsay a few weeks ago, there's something that I'm going to do uh, in church, and so uh, we talked it through, and she's very happy with this. And we know that life is a lot for people at times, where we've all been there, where we just think, I'm just done. I just need a break. And I know that many of you take the responsibility for food in your house. Many of you just like, I'm the last thing I need to do 
is just get involved and cook something, find something from somewhere. So we have a, a model uh, draft text that Lucas is going to send to you all tonight, um, and he's going to put my number on it, because many of you don't have my number. And this message literally just says, hi, Dell, I would really appreciate food, some, and then you can choose your food, pizza, curry, kebab, Chinese, fish and chips, other, would be great, I really don't like, whatever. Uh, and then send me that message, the end of the story will be that a delivery person or whatever will turn up at your house and they will bring you food. And so I know that as soon as I say that, people go, oh, never going to do it. I know a million of you are just going to be like, well, fine, but never going to happen, is it? Like, because I know this. But let me tell you, we've talked to us. I'm deadly, deadly serious about this. If you are somebody that is on the edge and struggling and thinks, man, just today, I don't want to face it. That there is permission for you to say, right, it's not cheeky, I've told you to do it. Like, and it literally is there. The only time you can't do it is tonight, because we're going to the cinema to watch Black Panther, and it would be weird if I'm in the cinema going, oh man, I just need to get on Deliveroo, it's a bit awkward. Then don't do it tonight, but any other day is fine, and so Lucas might even send it tomorrow to give me, a, uh, to give me a free, but my phone will be on all week for that, because I know most people are not going to do it, and you'll think, oh, I'm not going to do that, and I'm, you know, I'm sure loads of people will do it. I'm sure loads of people won't do it, because I know people. But let me tell you, asking for help is an important thing. And if you're, not gonna, if you're not able to say, right, someone has literally told me to do this, and it still feels awkward, we're probably going to feel awkward about taking some of that to God as well. And I don't want you to feel awkward. Uh, and let me tell you, we love sending food. That is our love language, just a deliveroo. That is what we do. Right, the final thing uh, that we've got... Uh, that, God reminds Elijah, he gives him some rest, he gives him some food, and he reminds him that he is not alone. You know, in verses 15 to 18, he basically says, and you're going to see this next week, he's going to say, right, you're going to get this guy called Elisha, and you're going to teach him. So he gives him kind of a teammate, a colleague to work with, and he says, look, there's thousands, there's thousands, you're not alone, you know. And so what he needs is he needs rest, he needs food, and he needs to know there's people with him. And I have a, a men's group that we'll see a picture of. Uh, so three of those men were basically, we started a life group way before Life Church had life groups. Um, one of them's quite bitter that we call it a life group because we existed before that. And he said, you just rebranded this. And, you know. and so uh, those three guys have been coming to my house with others, but they've been coming probably for about nine years now into my house. And we have sat and we've gone through ups and downs. We've gone through ordinary stuff. We've gone through extraordinary stuff. All of that together just talking nonsense, eating food, playing games, caring about each other. And about three weeks ago, we did something really awkward where we just said, look, what we're going to do is we're going to say something that we're really struggling on, just an area of life that we're just having a rough time. And then the rest of us are just going to say nice things about why we love that person. Not backhanded, not like, oh, yeah, or I suppose you're a bit like this, but none of that. That was kicked out of us into the sea that day. And it was so kind of good and difficult but what we needed to know was, look, there's a bunch of people that we might joke and we might not always be serious. There's a bunch of people who think, man, this is what we see in you. And this is what we, and we recorded it and we've sent it all to each of the other people because we need to know that people are with us and people care about us. Elijah needed that. We need that. And we talk about it in church sometimes as community. And I think that's fine. But I think we do it to make it sound like it's a serious churchy word. We just need friends. Like, we need people who actually care. Like, we can make it a big, serious thing. But like Paul in the Bible talks about needing to be comforted, needing to be refreshed by others. He just needed mates. 
Jesus hung around with a bunch of his mates. Like, that is what he needed. We just need people who actually care. Whether that's in a life group, whether that's people uh, that you know, other way, whatever it is, we all need people that we can go to and say, man, I'm just exhausted, and they're not going to fire back with, how can you be exhausted? Because they're just going to be with us when things fall apart. And so, as we kind of finish to land, uh, there's a couple of things that, that God says, and it's this question of, what are you doing here, uh, Elijah? And in verses 11 and 12, we won't read it, but he basically says, look, my glory is about to pass by, and it's in the stillness. And stillness feels like when you're in this kind of place of just exhaustion, stillness feels a million miles away. It feels like you just can never, ever get there. But sometimes we need to be allowing God to give us rest. And maybe that is that you think, right, do you know what? I'm going to take an evening where I'm not cooking dinner because someone's sending me some dinner and I'm just going to take an hour. And I, don't, I can't prove that anything amazing is going to happen. But when we give God that stillness and we're just honest with him, I believe he changes things. I believe that things will happen in our life that are just going to be changed a bit. And so as God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? You know, we can take that to a God and say, God, maybe I've put myself in this place. Maybe I'm in a bad place from what I've done. Maybe I've been trying so hard and things are just difficult. But we can be honest and say, God, why am I here? And God will say, right, I don't want to leave you in this place. You don't have to stay defeated. There are people who love you. You can have some rest and we can go forward from there. And the finish that I'm going to give it with is Matthew 11, the verses that we talked about before. Um, just to kind of go back to the, uh, the thing that we said about the food where it said, where I said, right, I know some of you are never going to do it. And I know uh, that some of you, as soon as you read that, went, never going to do that. And I just think that can apply, and I would probably put myself in this list of, am I ever going to tell people I'm struggling? Am I ever going to tell people I'm exhausted? Am I ever going to ask for help? And that mentality of never going to do it can really filter across a lot of things. Uh, Elijah was done and he needed help, you know. And so where I've said, right, this food, don't think never going to do it. Because the danger is if we don't admit we're tired and we don't ask for help, then actually what happens is we can look at verses like Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come to me, or you are weary and burdened. We think, never going to do it. Never going to do it because I don't need that. I'm just going to sort it myself. And maybe when I'm good enough, God, I'll come to you. Well, Jesus doesn't say, come to you, all you are good enough. I've read it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I think some of you, the reason that I'm so passionate about this food thing is I think some of you, that's a step for the first time where you're going to say, right, I admit, I need a bit of help. I'm just having a tough day and I need something. And actually, sometimes when we admit that to ourselves, it makes it easier to admit it to God. And actually, we start a bit of a conversation with God and we start a process where he can heal things and restore things and deal with things. And so, yeah, if you close your eyes, I'm going to just read that verse in full, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'll hand back to Nick. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, so Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so, God, will you just help us? There are so many of us that if you said, what are you doing here? Maybe we don't know. God, so many of us have tried so hard and yet feel so exhausted. So many of us have put ourselves in this place, but God, we don't want to stay here. We don't want to just try and work it all ourselves. We know that it is only in you that we can overcome these things, and it's only in you that we can find hope and we can find healing. 
So God, I pray that you would give us courage to be honest with you. Give us courage to, to trust you with our lives. Give us courage to believe that you love us and you care about who we are, not just patching us up and putting us back on a field. And so God, if that's difficult and painful, give us just bravery to overcome and to step into that we ask. Amen. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.